What does the world look like when we can replicate human expertise in a personal assistant? Not just get directions to a pizza parlor, but get immediate answers about tax law or about our medical conditions or other various topics. This is what we dive into this week in the Tech Emergence Podcast with Dr. Riza Berken, who is the founder and CEO of Xclone, which is a personal assistant and chatbot company. Uh, they're working on replicating human expertise by leveraging day-to-day human conversational templates to fill in with their machine learning technology in order to sort of better approach the tough task of replicating human expertise through a machine. They talk a little bit about sort of the the edge layer of their secret sauce about the way that they're aiming to crack the nut of chatbots. And we speak a lot about what the future applications of chatbot and personal assistant technology might be in the next five to 10 years in medical and in other sort of consumer device applications. Riza has some interesting thoughts to shed on this particular topic, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. So Riza, I'm familiar with sort of the domain of chatbots, and there's obviously a lot of people working away at conversational interfaces, whether it's you know, X.AI, uh, who's been a part of some of our executive consensus or some of these other folks that have made it on the media. What you're doing is aiming to model expertise in anywhere from you know, travel to keeping up with news. How, how are you approaching sort of building a conversational agent that might be different from uh, other or traditional approaches? Yes, uh, very good point. Uh, the, uh, the major difference between us and many other applications in the market today is um, maybe I can simplify it by uh, this analogy. Uh, think about that we are doing a three-dimensional system. Hmm. Now, the first dimension is natural language processing. So you, I assume listeners know what natural language processing means. Uh, it's a capability to detect uh, language and to identify its components. And there are chatbots today operating just based on that single dimension. And most of these uh, calendar organizers and, and you know all these uh, simple applications use this single dimension of natural language processing to identify what the user asks and then to bring something that's relevant to what they're asking. Now, the second dimension is uh, machine learning. Yes. Now, with machine learning, what you are doing is you are actually grabbing some kind of content and knowledge, and you are processing that knowledge to uh, improve uh, your natural language processing capability, as well as being able to answer questions from that content. So there are some examples uh, you may know. Uh, Google is, was doing something uh, with the Twitter uh, feeds. And there are some, you know, IBM Watson is also offering an API that you could do machine learning. But the, these two dimensions are still not enough to um, conduct a dialogue like a human being. So this is our differentiation starts with the third dimension, which we call it the human dialogue theory. That's our um, secret uh, recipe. Uh, the human dialogue theory assumes that uh, the conversations that humans have come with some predefined objectives and templates. Let me give you an example. Uh, for instance, if you're a salesman 
and if you, that means your objective is to sell something, then in your head you already have this salesmanship template when you start conversations. Another template could be uh, advisors. So if I'm advisor, I would be asking you certain questions to find out what your problem is, and then I would bring you my diagnosis, and then I will offer you some solutions. So there are different templates like that that we use during daily conversations. And this is the third dimension that we brought into the chat development. So um, we have about 12 to 13 different templates, and you know we are building more. And so with one template, like salesman template, we can create as many chatbots as we wish for any company, for any sales operation. So I can only tell you so much about it since it's our patent pending technology. Yeah. But, uh, but practically, this is how we differentiate ourselves from everybody else. And this, there's a very good video about it on our website uh, saying third dimension. Got it. Okay. So just to, to try to summarize, I appreciate you kind of giving us the gist here. With any conversation that has a particular aim, if it's customer service, we need to satisfy a need. If it's sales, uh, we need to close a deal or book an appointment, you know, depending on whatever that next step is. For each of those scenarios, there's a degree of a pattern, a degree of sort of necessary steps, you know, potentially even with some kind of order that generally will occur in those situations. So for customer service, and this is a totally random example, by the way, Risa, you would know this much better than I, but for customer service, we would need to first thoroughly understand the question and, and sort of the need and its context. You know, is this person having trouble with, you know, the user interface? Is this person having trouble with the loading speed? You know, wh what is their problem we need to understand? Um, and then we need a successive way of walking them through. And there's a way to sort of templatizing customer experience conversations so that the intelligence that we bring to the table is naturally flowing just like a real talk would flow if I was a customer service person live. Same thing with sales. I might need to first understand their needs and desires, sort of what, what, what can I fulfill of those needs and desires, get a sense for that, uh, maybe resonate with a few of those points with our product, and then go down some sequence of, of uh, the conversation to you know actually have some dollars change hands. Um, in either case, it sounds like there's a a broad enough general framework within the sales universe or the customer service universe that you can kind of mold a chatbot's interactions around. Am I hearing you correctly? Exactly. You've articulated very well. Uh, very well, actually. Um, let me, I mean, it's nothing new. Look, uh, you call your cable company, you have a, a problem, right? Yep. So the cable guy is going to walk you through certain items is going to start with asking you questions you know is your modem plugged and you know yes, you know those yes, basic yes, questions yes. right yep so actually what the modem uh, the cable guy is doing he's actually following a pattern of conversation same thing with when you call the airlines or when you call fedex uh, pickup schedule you know objective driven systems have a template of conversations we do this naturally every day without realizing that we are actually switching from one pattern to another pattern. You know, another example is a courtroom deposition. You know, when you go to a courtroom as a witness, what do you do? You are supposed to sit there, be silent, wait for the questions to be asked, 
you only answer the question that's been asked. You don't you don't ask questions. You don't uh, you know offer opinions. So there are so many patterns like this in real life that uh, has to be programmed into a chatbot experience. Now, let me make one comment here. So all these uh, machine learning and technologies we are seeing coming out, no one is so far mentioned this predefined structure. And there's no way for a machine learning to learn this kind of conversational pattern. It is very challenging, not to mention they are still struggling with detecting the language itself. So what we assume is actually what we assume is more comes from biology. We are assuming that there is evolutionary learning and there is a machine learning. So when we are born, we are born with evolutionary learning. So we come with a structure. We are ready to absorb language and then put it into action through those yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. through those templates that we may have actually built through the evolutionary learning. And that may be the difference between animals and humans. Uh, the animals can't do that. Animals don't have those templates. They don't sit down and, and have a conversation about some topic because they don't have those. But animals have languages. Yep. But, you know, but, you know single step languages, they detect something, they give a signal, right? Yep. So uh, that's the kind of difference. So we call it as a third dimension. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, you know, there are some other people thinking about it. And I've seen actually some examples. Some people are working on it. And I'm, I'm sure that this is going to be better recognized down the road in the, in the world of technology. Got it. Okay, so so that's that's a differentiator, and it's it's useful to you know again hear it in, in your language and, and be able to sort of paint the picture for the folks tuned in. It's interesting to me, Risa, because it sort of makes me reminisce on you know psychology. It's it's funny how you know a, a lot of kind of psychology and and neuroscience ends up kind of being an inspirer of what what we try to model in our in our technology, and I think that that's more so the case in the last ten years than maybe. You know, it's it's uh, certainly it doesn't feel like a fad right now. It seems like pretty succinctly kind of what we're after. And, you know, we, we do have those mental constructs and templates of how to behave, you know, very roughly, you know, around a, a parent or an authority figure. You know, we, we've we know how to respond in those cir- circumstances. We we all know even even shy people, you know, if you if you really you rile them up enough and put them in a circumstance where they have to do it. Everybody kind of knows how to try to be persuasive, right? We, we all understand the, the subtleties of body language and, you know, little undercurrent objectives that we're trying to obtain and kind of how to behave contextually. And it's interesting to see that you're trying to say, okay, what, what does that actually look like and represent? What are the sort of unescapable phases of this sort of interaction? And how can that be what molds all the the conversations that we have, not randomly in any trajectory, but always following what a, you know, a service model looks like, what a sales model looks like. And so that's very curious. I want to ask you next, Riza, uh, because you have to be thinking about this, running a company in the chatbot and conversational interface space, and probably, you know, in all of your academic research as well, you know, a lot of people see chatbots, for lack of better terms, you know, maybe in Facebook, they want to order some flowers. Maybe they talk to their phone company and they hope that the chatbot can can help them there. Kind of those customer service, maybe quick purchase things, I think are are common use cases that people are imagining and being excited about 
you know, asking Siri, where's the nearest pizza place? We can already kind of do that. Let's say five years from now, Riza, where, where do you think that chatbots, conversational interfaces in general, might have the biggest difference in day-to-day life where someone off the street, never mind someone that reads MIT Technology Review, someone off the street knows what's happening with chatbots five years from now. You know, why would you think that that would be the case? What are, what are those applications that you, you think really might have the broadest sort of general consumer impact with conversational interfaces? Great question. Now, as you said, uh, the chatbots these days are almost like an infancy stage. Uh, they are kind of, uh, yeah. you know, waking up or, or being born, doing simple tasks. But uh, this is uh, the first step uh, towards uh, much higher functionality that I really expect uh, to uh, come into the market within the next five years. That's why we focused on expertise. So we estimate that there will be uh, a huge demand for expert advice being served by the chatbots in medicine, law, education, you name it. so the as the expertise get more complicated, uh, you know it requires more sophisticated systems. But uh, five years down the road, I would be surprised that before you go and see a doctor, you will be talking to a chatbot of this doctor or or that subject, and you become an informed patient before you go there. And and this is uh, easier for doctor because you are more informed and it's better for you because, you know, you've really gotten uh, a lot of information. Now, if you wanted to do this today, you you are supposed to go to uh, WebMD or uh, yeah, yeah. PubMed, uh, you know, read pages of pages. And there is really no hand-holding today on the websites. Nobody really guides you through some kind of information or knowledge. That's where the chatbots are going to be very important because if you uh, talk to a a chatbot, let's say in diabetes, uh, assume there's an expert diabetes chatbot, so assume you are interacting with it, assume that chatbot is asking you questions, is understanding your situation, so and it's, it's like, hand-holding you, uh, you know, is helping you to get to the information and you become more informed before you go and see see a doctor. Same thing in uh, uh, legal matters, compliance for companies, taxes, education. I mean, in so many different places, I think there will be a community of chatbots, expert chatbots. And this community of expert chatbots will really change the way we live. Uh, it would change the way we conduct business and it, it would change the way we interact with computers uh, in the next five years. This is what I believe it's going to happen. Huh, this is this is fascinating, Risa. So I haven't fully fleshed out this exact kind of vision of what you're painting, but let me know if I'm on the same page and I think this will be uh, interesting for the audience. You know, I can think of a million instances of exactly what you talked about. For example, you know, let's say you're editing your website and you're trying to figure out how to format a specific video so that it loads quickly. What do you do right now? You, you try to enter a query that's going to be, you know, somewhat 
similar to what you think is going to pull up what's useful. And then, then you got to read a bunch of pages and some of them are old, you know, they're from like four years ago and, and you can't even embed videos in that same way anymore. And so wouldn't it be easier, assuming it was possible and the friction was low to ask, Hey, how the heck do I blank, 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 and have a conversational interface, bring up, you know, knowing what's on your screen, bring up, you know, the, the various ways that you can solve that problem rather than like you said, you got to go surf all of these individual, you know, you got to go through Google, then you got to go through WebMD, then you got to read five or six different articles to figure out, oh, that's probably what it is. So, you know, whether it's things that work like that, whether it's an industrial circumstance, you know, someone's uh, working on a truck, you know, some, some big heavy equipment, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how to replace a specific part. Do they go run back into the office? find the big fat manual that's 800 pages with a bunch of pictures on it? Or do they ask, is it this size nut or is it this size nut that I have to screw on to this particular, you know, end piece here and, and just have the, have the machine respond to them? It would seem as though that would scale human expertise in, in a really, really broad way. It's actually hard to, to think of an area where you couldn't apply that, that exactly. technology. Yeah. Um, right, right. And the key point here, uh, I, I want to make it clear, the key point here is not only answering questions, it is asking questions to the user and hand-holding. So that's the most important thing. Uh, that's what the conversation and dialogue is all about. It's not only answering the question, because you can go to Google sometimes and you type a question and they will do a pretty good job. What Google fails, it's a single-step system. What Google fails and other systems fail today is that they don't ask you questions. They don't dig in what you really want and what your case is, and then walk you through step by step with options and put yes. you to a final solution. So that's problem solving, and that doesn't exist today. And that's what's coming up in the near future. I like it. Okay, and, and just to, you know, it's, it's very interesting because it correlates with a couple other, other uh, trends that I've just seen talking to as many as executives as we end up having in the program and researchers as well. You, know, you think about augmented reality, you know, in, a, in an industrial space, augmented reality would hypothetically put the, the proper steps from the instruction manual about this truck or this jet engine that someone's working on. They would already in real time be labeling those pieces and listing those steps for that user right then and there, kind of, again, extending uh, the human mind. Other examples are, you know, I think it was Google that was going to have people be able to access experts via YouTube or via Google Hangouts or something where if you needed help, you know, uh, tying a certain kind of knot for your boat to a dock or you needed a certain kind of help, you know, getting rid of, of termites in your basement, you could call somebody, walk them around your house with a video and then use their expertise to solve your problem. What, what you're talking about is not even having a human in the loop at all, not a human to program what the augmented reality is going to say, not a human that gets with you on your phone, but just an interface that pulls from all the data and kind of knows at all time. I guess that's the, the, the future vision here. Any, any one or two, as we part here, Riza, any one or two industries or examples, you mentioned medical, that you might feel most optimistic about or, or that you really think have, have some grand potential that you think about often. Is medical one of those or what are the ones that pop to mind for you as we part here? 
the medical is probably the one of the most impact we're going to see because uh, it is uh, something uh, people need in case of emergency. You know, it's not like a shopping on the, on the internet. It is emergency information. People are serious about it. They need a solution. So I think the medical uh, industry will probably be the, the most impacted industry by the rise of uh, uh, chatbots, expert chatbots, I, I like to call them. Yeah, there's there's a, so much focus of AI in general, and even chatbots specifically in that medical space. I'll be curious to see what the world looks like too. And it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see, Riza, if in five or 10 years, we can't become experts without a teacher at all, but just with a conversational interface that's good enough to mold us. Normally to, to quote unquote, get smart, you need that dialogue. And if, if we can model it at that scale, obviously that would be uh, of grand, grand consequence. So I wish you the best of luck with your project with Xclone. And thank you again, Riza, for being with us on the Tech Emergence Podcast. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for the opportunity. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.